You can forget a lot of things, Foster Care Nation, but never forget this. You're listening to Unparalleled Studios. I should know. Foster Care Nation. Listen up. This is Foster Care and Unparalleled Journey. Strength for the powerless. Courage for the fearful. Hope and healing for wounded hearts. Hello and welcome back to Foster Care, an unparalleled journey with Jason and no Amanda Gindigays. Yeah, well, it started with English and I just left and went to gibberish. Uh, no Amanda again today, guys. Um, we we have a uh, potential for a new little one. She's been visiting the hospital and she just got home and we have two little ones in the other room with her right now who are wild children today and so she is going to be taking care of all the important things as normal when she's not here and i'm going to be pushing buttons and talking to people so i'm going to do the easy job while she does a real work and i know that please don't tell her because i like that setup it's way easier it's way less diapers to change that way in my life but today i bring an author to you guys not just an author but a uh, former foster youth a clothing designer a foster care advocate and a U.S. Army vet, Shalimar Parrish. How are you doing today, Shalimar? Hello, how are you? Oh, I'm doing a little bit crazy, but good crazy, not bad crazy. So we're calling that a great big win. <laughs> also. Yeah, if you know the difference between good crazy and bad crazy, sometimes bad crazy can be can be real struggling, but, you know, we're, we're doing fun things over here, just a lot of it all at once. And so we're we're getting caught up with, uh, with life a little bit. And... Um, mm-hmm. And so I want to talk to you because, you know, we, we, we've actually tried to schedule an interview a few times, but we keep having things pop up and life getting in the way, but we managed to get a hold of you today because I mean, yeah. first off, like you're a former foster youth, right? Yeah. And one of the things we like to do is to hold space for, for foster youth or former foster youth to tell their story a little bit and let people know what their experience was. Because as it turns out, if you get to come to my house as a kid, I mean, I am super awesome. Ask all my kids. I'll tell you how amazing and awesome I am, except for the teenager or one of the ones who's in a bad mood or, yeah, okay, maybe they, they'll argue with me. I don't know. But uh, but not every foster story is 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 positive in the long run. And and if we're yeah. honest, we know that, right? We know that. Mm-hmm. We see the news stories, the um, oh, I've forgotten. Well, it was Gabriel something or other, little the little boy who was who was killed in a foster home here a few years back and just, just horrible, scary things, bad things happen. So not everybody's story is the same, obviously. So tell us a little bit about your backstory, how you came into care and what that experience was for you. Um, I, I first would like to say that um, foster care uh, changed my life in, in more ways than one. Um, at the time, I, I didn't feel like it was needed. Um, I had to uh, end up going into foster care because my uh, maternal grandmother, who was my primary caregiver, she ended up passing away from cancer. Uh, my mother and my father both were um, codependent on drugs and alcohol, so they were unavailable to, to raise me at the time. Um, by the time that I was 12 years old, 
my grandmother passed and um, I, I became unruly. Um, no one in my family could do anything with me. And it wasn't until later on that I found out it was because I was grieving the loss of, of really both my mothers. And um, I, I wasn't going to counseling or anything like that. Um, I felt like at the time, um, nobody was hearing me. You know, I, I, I thought that I was telling them, hey, I'm hurt, you know, I'm in fear. But, but I guess my actions were saying something totally different. And so um, I, I ended up uh, being put into a, a group home. That was my, my first placement. And uh, boy, was that a shocker. Uh, I was the, the youngest girl there. Um, it was 11 other teenage girls who had been through the system. And so um, they, uh, they kind of raised me. And uh, they were all right? a positive. No, they were. <laughs> they um, for the most part, no, um, they weren't kind to me at first. And and what I mean by that is they didn't play with me. You know, it was it was almost like I had eleven older sisters telling me, "Hey, this is the way that things are going to go." Now, not always was their advice good. You know, because it had got to the point to where um, I don't know if you if you know um, about group homes, but every kid is supposed to get like a thirty dollars stipend a month, and that wasn't enough for us. You know, to um, purchase toiletries and and things like that, um, and so they they would recommend that I go stealing, um, like they had gone stealing, or um, I. Uh, sold my body like they had sold their bodies, you know, so uh, I, I would have to say that um, I had some good experiences, but, but I also had some not so good ones. I can believe it. I can believe it because teenage girls are not known for their kindness anyways. Some days um, uh-huh. I have a teenage daughter and she is a wonderful, amazing girl. Uh, 80% of the time. There's 20% of the time though, that she does not wear her happy, kind, sweet face. And you know, that's mm-hmm. just part that's life. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. let's be honest. I'm not, I'm not always a smiley, happy guy. And, uh, some days I may not be the kind of person you want to be around either. And, and teenage mm-hmm. girls, that's a hard time in life and kids in group homes are the, not there because it's summer camp. They didn't choose that. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're having, you know, some sort of trauma occurred in their life. And they're having a whole different world foisted upon them and they don't always react and act in kind ways towards each other. And even mm-hmm. when they are being kind, like you said, sometimes they're trying to give you advice that well, you don't take all, you shouldn't take all your advice from teenage kids for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My, I had one yeah. of kids who was, um, who tell me one day he didn't think he needed to go to school anymore because all the answers to all the questions were on Google. He, he kind of have a point. <laughs> well, he does, but I explained to him that all the answers are on Google. All the right answers, all the wrong answers, and part of school is right. you how to figure out which ones are which. Right. So, yeah, it, it sounds like you, you had quite the uh, traumatic experience stepping into that. I, you didn't have any other biological family who could step up for you at that point in time? Well, uh, several of them did. Like, I was going from house to house, like, in a matter of, six months um i had stayed in like 
five different houses. When I tell you nobody could do anything with me, they couldn't. Um, when my grandmother was living, uh, she was my rock. And uh, I could do no wrong in her eyes, and I tried to do no wrong in her eyes, you know? And so all my, all my hopes and all my dreams for making her proud uh, were gone. And, and now here I'm left with people that I knew really didn't like me. They, they felt like I needed a spanking a long time ago, you know? And so um, I, I wasn't going to let them start spanking me, you know? Um, so in my family's defense, yes, um, several of them tried. They just couldn't. Yeah. Not all of us are what you might call really in our teen years either. And so, um, you know, that, that's a hard thing in a lot of families where, you know, maybe uh -huh. they might try, but you know, you mentioned that, you know, you it took you a while to figure out that what was going on was, was the grieving uh -huh. process because uh -huh. our society does not always do a great job of, of understanding the grieving process and, and walking kids through that, especially, you know, kids who, who are in trauma that they don't understand. Right. Right, right. Had I gone through um, counseling, um, I, I um, have, you know, now that I'm an adult, I have spoken with my family members, you know, um, on various occasions. And, you know, one of my, my situations were um, I didn't, I didn't know how to tell you all what I needed. You know, at the time, I wish I, I did, but I, I, I didn't know how to tell you all that. And I wish that I would have gotten some counseling because that's when I found out, hey, you're grieving. And, and it, this is normal. This is a normal part of grieving. Just, you know, when when you're dealing with children, uh, it's harder for them to express that. And a lot of adults don't recognize that they're too busy dealing with their own grief, you know. And so um, I, uh, I, I, I know better, you know, now um, that when, when I'm faced with children who are going through some things, like I, I know what to do, you know, and, and I'm pretty certain that my family members do as well. That's one of those interesting things that um, a lot of communities don't view mental health or in the in past a lot of times have not viewed mental health issues with any real seriousness or um, anything less than a heightened level of shame and so mm -hmm. getting that help has oftentimes been looked down on was that part of, mm -hmm. part of the reason you didn't have any any counseling at the time probably so because i don't remember i i don't recall anyone um in my family that was going to counseling no one you know, our answer was go to church, um, turn from your, your wicked ways, you know, whatever those might be, um, pray more, you know, that's, those are the tools that we were given. And so, um, you know, later on with, with a lot of, um, informative information, you know, people now understand that counseling is needed. You know, especially when dealing with trauma. Oh yeah, yeah. Because all those, all those good book, chapter, and verse quotes are. are I'm not going to argue with their truth or their value. You know, Romans eight twenty eight is a great passage, but but when you're in the middle of trauma, especially as a kid, if nobody's giving you the tools, you ain't got the tools right. yet. 
Right. It's like right. asking me to program your computer because you're you're mm -hmm. going to have an expensive piece of um piece of junk when I get done because I don't I'm, I don't have those tools. Right. Right. Can can I uh, interject? Um, this is another thing that a lot of um, current foster children and a lot of former ones um, have um, had an issue with, and, 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 and I have the same issue. Um, a lot of times, we, we're not even told that foster care is an option for us. You know, hey, if, if, if you don't shape up, these are your options. You know, we're going to send you away. You're not going to see us, you know, for, for seven years, 10 years, you know, as a punishment. Or, you know, I, I feel like if a, if a lot of children who are in foster care because they're considered unruly, I feel like if they are um, told, hey, this may be an option, you know, um, they may not want that option. They may shape up, you know, but I was never given the option. And so uh, a lot of my foster sisters and brothers, um, if I believe what they say, they, they weren't given the option either. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of kids, a lot of kids. I mean, cause let's be honest, how much, how deeply do you know the intricacies of the foster care system as a grown adult, you know, just your average human doesn't know a whole lot of it. We have been doing it in our house for a decade and a half. And I still today, we have a situation going on right now with, with a, um, with a little, little girl who's probably coming into care in the next few weeks, give or take. Um, and I'm like, Hmm, I don't know. I don't know how they'll handle this. I pick up the phone and I'm calling workers like, Hey, do you oh, know the answer to this question? If not, who yeah. does the licensing worker, the resource worker, the so-and-so like send me to the people who do, but you know, right. kids, you're not handed that, that information. You, you don't know who to talk to. You don't know what that's about mm -hmm. or what that even looks like. And so it's a lot more challenging to, um, to be able to, to get that information as a kid, you know, most kids, they'll go to Google and Google will give them an answer and whether or not that's a viable answer is a, always a big question. Yeah. Well, they consider Google the gospel, you know, <laughs> the gods of Google have spoken, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and Google it's, it's kind of like, like having a runny nose and, and Googling that and going to, to WebMD and asking it that what you should do. Right. Because right. you've got like some sort of cancer diagnosed on through WebMD and you're going, wait a second, hang on. This is, I, I had some medical tests a while back and I, I, of course they send the test over on a Friday afternoon. They come to the, 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 you know, the online deal that has all your healthcare stuff. And, and so I get all these test results back and I'm Googling mm -hmm. all these test results. Cause I don't know what the, the, uh, the myelin basic protein panel test means that it's out, <laughs> this is out of, out of whack. And I look it up and I mean, I had myself diagnosed with goiters and gout <laughs> and, and cancer and, and leukemia and everything else by the end of the week. And so I shut it down. I said, no, I'm going to stop looking at this until I talk to my right. doctor. Right. I pay a neurologist to know this stuff. Cause, mm -hmm. cause Google won't give me good answers, you know, and, and find, yeah. find those resources is, is really tough for kids, especially a kid who's acting out because they're in, in some sort of trauma type situation that they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I agree. So I know that, you know, you have your book leading lady. Um, mm -hmm. and what, what is that about? I I'm curious. What's your story about? Uh, 
Leading Lady is loosely based on my life growing up. Um, I What I did was I, I wanted to um, show people both sides of foster care. I, I wanted to uh, show people how some children end up in foster care. Uh, sometimes it's not because they are unruly. Sometimes it's because of the, the decisions that their parents made. And I wanted to show people um, the downside of sending children to um, foster care and they're forced to fend for themselves, you know, so to speak. Uh, not all children are as lucky as yours are to be put into a, a loving home that's that's not based on uh, financial gain, you know. Um, so uh, a lot of children that I know um, are faced with going to such homes that are in it for the money and hearts probably aren't always in the right space. And they tend to believe that they're raising themselves, you know, that they're in this big old world alone. And so I, I wanted to uh, relate to the, the readers um, in a way to where they knew that they were not alone, that there was somebody that understood them. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because I talk about that whole idea about, you know, being a foster parent for the money. And I kind of laugh at it sometimes because I, I, we're in the state of Missouri. Mm -hmm. And here in the state of Missouri, we are the second lowest paid state in the nation. Um, mm -hmm. You receive roughly $236 a month to raise a child. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've raised any kids, and you pay for diapers or clothes or whatever, you know, all, all the, all the things that it costs to raise kids, you know, uh -huh. um, you know, football camp and, and all, if you can do that on $236, I want to know how, cause I'm trying yeah, to, raise yeah. kids and they're not, they're not that cheap. None of my kids are that cheap. No, right? no but that's all they're giving you. No, or, that, or are you just generally speaking that that's the state of Missouri's reimbursement rate for, for foster care is, and it, it, it has a little bit changed from year to year. You know, the, if you have a little one that's in diapers, there's a couple dollars on there for a diaper allowance, but things like that, but it's not a whole lot. Now there are, oh, ways, yeah. there are ways to have a child rated up and, and try and get more money out of that placement from what I understand. Mm -hmm. Um, I obviously don't know how to do that because because I can't tell you, and, and we've never chased that route. Um, well, it needs to be uh, foster care reform there uh, because they're basically, they, they want you all to be living in poverty. Um, I've, I've been out of foster care for over 20 years. And, and when I was in, uh, my foster parent was, was getting almost $2,000 a month for me. So to... To have um, to have you in a situation to where they're given that little when the the average um, foster care agency is is making fifteen thousand or better a month for that same child um, is is ludicrous. Yeah, that that's a crazy amount of money because you know we we've never you know like I said I talked with um. Oh, what was her name? It was an actress a long time, quite a few episodes back, like a year or two ago, we talked with, uh, I think her name was Jen Lilly. That was her name. 
And she talked about mm-hmm. meeting a woman who was telling her how to how she should do this and that to get the kid rated up so she could get more money. And I mean, I'll be honest, we're not getting rich over here. I have a decent mm-hmm. job, right? I got a decent right. job. I, I can afford to take care of the family. We've got a nice mm-hmm. house. Mind you, it was built in 190 something, but it's a nice house mm-hmm. in a small town. We can afford <laughs> right. that. We we can right. afford the, the the keeping the water and electric on and and yeah, sometimes when stuff gets a little crazy, when when the boys get into a rock fight and I knock the window out of the car and I got to go replace it. Yeah. The money gets tight because we're humans and that's how life works, but, but we mm-hmm. can afford to raise kids and it doesn't, it doesn't hurt us at all. Um, to, mm-hmm. to, you know, usually make a little bit more dinner and, you know, and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's not a big, a big pull on us. We can, we can get through this just fine. But for the people who yeah. are trying to figure out how to use foster care as a way to, to go make money off of kids, <sighs> I just need to be introduced to some of these people so I can, I can take these big old hands. My, my grandmama gave me and smack them upside the head. Right. Well, what about the people who like, and I'm only really speaking for your state. Um, What about the people who have the willing heart and, and the, the willing heart to do just what you're doing, but, but understand that they are already, partly living below the, you know, the financial poverty level or close to it. Um, It's kind of difficult for them to make the decision to um, bring another uh, mouth in there if if this is all that they're going to be receiving. So I I think that in in cases um, as your state, I think that it should be a complete overhaul um, when it comes to your state. Oh, I don't disagree a bit. Part of the problem we have in, in our state is, is caseworker turnover. I, I had a question to ask a caseworker today and I called and talked with her. I said, I don't think we've ever met before. Have we? And she said, I don't think I've met you. And I'm like, well, we've been working in this County. You know, we've been doing this kind of work in this County for 15 years. And mm-hmm. I was counting back. I think, I think four to six supervisors ago is when, is when we first started doing this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the turnover rate is so high here because not only is the reimbursement rate low in the state, but so is the, uh, the pay for, for caseworkers and for people who, whose job uh-huh. it is to do these things. And I look at uh-huh. it, and they're making $30,000 a year. That's awful. That's awful. When, um, as far as I know, and, and, and please, uh, if, if you can, maybe go to Google and, and get the real truth. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as I know, um, there is a, a federal law that, that states how much um, an agency or the state is given per each foster child. So for them to lowball um, caseworkers and um, foster parents or foster to adopt parents, um, I, I feel like that's an injustice not only for the family, but but more so for the kid, because that goes back to what I was telling you um, earlier, uh, $30 um, for a kid to have a stipend is is ludicrous, you know, especially if if they like dove deodorant or um, they they may want to get their hair done, you know, especially for African-American uh, young ladies and, and um, gentlemen, they they have to go to the barbershop or the, the beauty salon to get their hair done. Um, so it's, it's things like that 
that should be factored into uh, reimbursement. Oh yeah, yeah. We, we we've got a little guy, Turtle, and Turtle um Turtle's mixed, and but he has he has the the more um his hair is is more the coarse you know black style hair, uh-huh. and he has uh-huh. his hair braided down, and, and we you know he has it done on a regular basis, and and we're we're fortunate we we have Nana, um uh-huh. Nana is uh she is a great woman actually his birth father. Um, his best friend in the world that he grew up with him. They were, they were great buddies growing up and that was his, um, I'll take that back. That was the daddy of another one of the kids that we, we have adopted. And so that's how we met her. And she comes over and does, does his hair for us because these big old uh-huh. hands are not designed to do <laughs> braids. Uh, uh-uh, ain't happening. I will braid my wife's hair occasionally, but that is because it is a single braid for the whole thing. I ain't doing that little stuff. My, my hands won't handle it, but she comes over and, and she all, and that, and that's something we've been fortunate to find people who are willing mm-hmm. to, to help us out with their time and energy and, and do that. And she'll come over every two or three weeks and redo his hair and he'll sit there and squirm and, and waller around and holler because it hurts. And, and then mm-hmm. when she leaves his hair is all done and he's all proud of it again. And I have priced having that done different places. And, I see what you, I totally understand mm-hmm. what you're saying. If somebody is, mm-hmm. is financially strapped, getting hair done on a regular basis, especially if you have more than one kid could get really expensive pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I really believe that that's why a lot of young men are uh, going to braids and uh, locks. Um, I believe that they are um, put in a situation to where they can't keep their hair cut on a regular basis. And so it starts to get coarse. And then, you know, the next thing you know, they're getting laughed at. And so voila, if I could say that I'm, I'm growing my coarse hair for braids or for locks, then I basically fit in now. Yeah. This little boy last summer, when he would climb out of the pool, his hair would come almost down to his butt. And um, mm-hmm. it has done nothing but grow since then. And like uh, mm-hmm. he, and not, he is adamant about his hair and way uh-huh. more than I ever was as a kid, because as a kid, I just went to the barbershop when mom or dad took me and you just got what they gave you. Uh-huh. But, and, and I can, I can do many, I've cut the hair, hair of many of my own kids. I'm not afraid uh-huh. to do that, but this is, this is something that's important to him. And so we, uh-huh. you know, we, we try to try to honor his wishes on that where we can. And we're fortunate enough to have some family uh-huh. members and some friends who step in and, and help in that. But, not everybody can do that. And your point is, is well taken that there are a lot of well-meaning people out there who have big hearts, mm-hmm. who have small pocketbooks, you know, because mm-hmm. whether life, whether, you know, job issues, whatever it is, I don't know. I'm not here to judge what, what people are going through, right. but they, they maybe can't afford to feed an extra mouth, especially right. if you have a teenage boy, because those mouths, mm-hmm. they don't stop moving. They, they just keep going okay. to the refrigerator. Right. And, and those feet don't stop, you know, uh, their height doesn't stop, you know, uh, to take on a teenager this day and age, uh, it's, it, it's to be, to be highly, uh, commended because yeah, it's the, the cost is, is triple, um, having a, uh, a toddler. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, and I'm not here to argue any of the COVID stuff or anything like that, but amongst all this pandemic stuff, 
costs have have not gone down on anything. I don't think have they? No, no, everything has skyrocketed. I, my grocery list is is up to uh, three fifty. You know, uh, and it used to be two. Oh yeah, yeah, that's oh, yeah. something we've experienced as well. You know, and and just figuring out how to how to take what we have and stretch it a little further. Now, mind you, when Amanda and I first got together 20 something years ago, we were raising three kids on $20,000 a year. We were, we were what was known technically as poor. Um, Mm -hmm. we have lived poor. I know how to take a box of macaroni and cheese and three hot dogs and call it a meal. You know, we did that a lot, but you know, fortunately, you know, my job that I've, I've gotten into is, has moved forward pretty well. And, and pay is, mm-hmm. is catching up with uh, the rest of the economy a little bit here. And so we can afford to take care of our family without those struggles, but not everybody has that benefit. I am right. blessed and not everyone is blessed in that way. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Okay. I, I also wanted to talk about a little bit. I know that it says here that you're a clothing designer and I did go out and look at, look at your website. I decided that I think what I need is a romper. Cause I, <laughs> I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm quite limber enough to get into one of those. So I, don't know, I might just be out of luck, <laughs> but I looked at that. What, what prompted that, you know, that side of your life? I have always uh, been fond of fashion. And so um, I can remember as early as uh, 11, 12, wanting to have a clothing line. But once I turned 14, I count, I came up with the name uh, for the clothing line. I came up with the mission statement. And so I just held on to it until I became an adult. And, and so the reason why I, I wanted to create um, Today's Woman was for the upliftment of, of women. But what I was finding was that a lot of women were being judged by what they had on. And so... I wanted them to to know that uh, regardless of what you wear, you still are valuable to society. Um, and and this is this goes for the past, the present, and the predestined woman. Uh, we all hold uh, a a a valuable um, uh, stake in in this this thing that we call life. And so that's why I, I created it. Well, I, I will have to say one thing I noticed on your website is um, now, mind you, for all the listeners who can't see me, I am six foot one and 250 pounds of chiseled muscle, broad shoulders, <laughs> narrow at the waist, you know, just like that picture part. Okay, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't that I wasn't in that great a shape when I left the army. Uh, but, you know, uh, I, I saw your website. I noticed that one of the things on there was that it was not necessarily just a whole bunch of, of, um, Barbie dolls wearing your clothes, you no. all kinds uh-huh. of different models, different shapes. And, and di- because I'm going to be honest with you, I've met a few women that are shaped like Barbie, but I haven't uh-huh. met many women like that. Most, most folks don't, don't have that. They you know that, that aspect in their life where they're, they're trying to dress yeah. themselves like a Barbie doll. Like they're mm-hmm. real humans and, and you've used a lot of real humans in, in your, uh, in your advertisement and marketing. And, and I yeah. love that. I just wanted to call that out because you. Uh, yeah, I, you don't see, it's funny. Now I get a, all the ads on Facebook because Facebook knows everything about you. 
somehow or another. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they know everything about me, but they do. I must have bought a, a T-shirt online that was a double XL, and now I get all the uh, all the advertisements <laughs> for you know the best T-shirt in the world for big belly guys. And I'm like, damn, <laughs> what? What did you just? Right. What kind of advertisement? That's what you. That's what you think of me. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm not going to argue with the accuracy of that, but man, right. that's that's kind of a, a cold way to advertise things to people. But I love the yes, fact that, that you are using real human beings as as the models for your clothing line, and you're not just yeah. you know playing the game that that so many companies have done for so many years. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, but yeah, I um I, I I felt like it was a little risky to do. Um, but I, I feel like it, it represents who today's woman is. Uh, we're all shapes and sizes. We're all nationalities. We come from all uh, different kinds of uh, backgrounds. And so I, I feel like um, showing that, showcasing that um, is, is what's most important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because body shaming has been a real thing. And, and let's be yeah. honest, young girls in, in who come through foster care are already at risk for so many things. And the last oh thing we need to do is, is find more ways to shame them and tell them they're not worthy. Right. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's something I've seen, you know, I've seen in, in my own experience, you know, and talked about, you know, my wife and I have been together for more than 20 years. And so we we've talked about all the things over the years and I understand how that, how that can affect a lot of women and, you know, especially young teen girls. Cause let's be honest, you know, we give teenage girls a lot of trouble, but you know, sometimes they're, they're, they're a little bit challenging, but they're teenagers. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be. Right. Yes, they are. Except yes, for they me. Are. I was not challenging as a teenager and my mom was not here to argue with me. <laughs> <laughs> because she will argue that point trust me i know she's argued it in public before but yeah we're all challenging we all deal with a lot of stuff coming through those years and and you talked about some of the stuff that you went through as a young girl you know being in a, in a group home being be even even because you aged out of the system right yes yeah so you step out into a wide open world with a lot of things and the last thing you really need is one more one more piece of society telling you that you, that you are not good enough, you know, just mm-hmm. because of a body. Right. Right. So, yeah I, yeah, I just, I wanted to call you out for that a little bit and just say that's it's, I think it's awesome that you do it that way. And if that's a risky thing mm-hmm. to do, it's, it's probably still a smart thing to do because truly you're marketing to human beings and not to models. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, you you uh, have also listed on your bio that you're you're an advocate for children in foster care. What does that look like? Okay. And, you know, what do you do around that lines? Well, just like I'm sitting here speaking with with you, um, I'm advocating for foster care reform. Um, there needs to be some change um, when it comes to, i.e., money. Um, that's a lot of for for the foster family. Um, it, it needs to be money set aside for the foster child. Um, and it also needs to be um, more um, more resources for, for both, you know, uh, meaning um, if the foster parent needs counseling, that should be given to them free of charge. 
Um, if if the kid needs counseling, it shouldn't always have to be where children's services want the, the child to go. I don't know about your state, but uh, a lot of states and cities, um, the, the kids are um, directed to go to certain uh, medical and uh, mental health facilities. And, and a lot of them don't feel comfortable with that, you know. And so I think that they should be able to have the option of, of going where they feel comfortable. Um, once uh, a kid ages out of foster care, uh, I feel like there should be still a, a committee that, that oversees them. You know, a lot of them are thrown out into this world with, without mother, father, or the, the overseer um, of, of foster care, you know. And so they're, they're out here um, just trying to find their way. And I, I think that that is setting them up for failure. And so I, I go around speaking about this. That's, that's awesome because you're right. You know, so many of these kids, they leave the foster care system when they age out with no safety net at all. And the, uh -huh. the numbers, the numbers tell the story, right? We, the uh -huh. number of kids who are, who are, turn into grown adults and end up in the jail system, the percentage uh -huh. of them that are former foster youth is a ridiculously high number. Uh -huh. yeah. just, just like I mentioned Another. today, um, this morning, like we either take care of these kids today or we take care of them 20 years from now in a federal uh -huh. facility. Yes. Yes. Another uh, thing uh, that, that I do is I uh, advocate for foster children um, and men, women, and children who were not in foster care, but mostly for foster children. Um, a lot of them are being sexually trafficked, um, either by force or, or hurt into doing it. Um, there is 155.4 million foster children in, um, well, worldwide, and then there is uh, 437,000 in the U.S., and 60 to 70% of them will have experience being sexually trafficked. So I feel like that is um, it's disheartening to know. Um, it is something that, again, I experienced, and I feel like that has definitely need, um, needed to be changed. Oh, yeah. We just a few weeks ago spoke with Stephanie Olson, and that that's a big part of her message, if not almost all of it. We talked about sex trafficking, trafficking in general with kids, especially the 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 more vulnerable population of, of foster uh -huh. youth, because it is frighteningly common. Uh -huh. And the number of kids out there that, that are being, you know, trafficked is it quite frankly, I mean, I, I'm just going to go ahead and and say it like I see it and. And I think it's an indictment on our, our culture in general and mm -hmm. the American mm -hmm. culture that we, we kind of turn a blind eye to that. We, we yeah, saw that it yeah. exists, but what are we doing about it? Right. Right. So that's, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing to, to try to change that. Uh, even if that means I, I have to tell my own story, you know, um, to, to get the message out. Well, I appreciate you being willing to come in here and tell your story because you have a story with some vulnerability that a lot of people are oftentimes afraid to tell out loud in a public place. Mm -hmm. And so 
thank you so much for your being willing to, uh, to come in and tell your story and talk about the things in this life that truly do matter. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. Foster care nation. Thank you for listening to Shalimar's story. Now take her wisdom and knowledge to heart so you can create a love and healing in your own family and communities. Be sure to come back next week. We have new episodes every Tuesday. If you would like to share your story as a guest, you can reach us at Jason at fostercarenation.com. You can connect with other like-minded people on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash fostercareuj. Don't forget, we have a Patreon account where you can support our mission for as little as $5 a month. It's at patreon.com slash fostercarenation. The links to everything is in the show notes in your podcast player or at fostercarenation.com. And as always, you are so super awesome. I thank you guys. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Unparalleled <laughs> Studios. Dirty, dirty, dirty.